Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network with week number two of Horror Christmas Month. The two things that go hand in hand, horror and Christmas. Um, as we are up to the, I guess, original horror Christmas, mil- Christmas film. Yeah. Um, I'm getting tongue-tied here just thinking about Black Christmas from 1974. Uh, the slasher movie that started the slasher craze, or the slasher movie that inspired the slasher craze, Starring the guy from 2001, A Space Odyssey, and Margot Kidder as Lois Lane, and the aunt from My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Um, the aunt? And, oh, the aunt, right? You've you got aunt, an accent. Yes. Aunt, aunt, the aunt, aunt was in this. Auntie. Uh, and then directed by the man who bought you the other Christmas classic, A Christmas Story, years later. This is the cult classic uh, Canadian slasher film um, that... I already know Ben's not going to be as big of a fan of as I am, and I'm not even that big of a fan of it. Uh, my name is Colin, and that's something dirty, ain't it? And my name is Ben, and hello? Pardon? <laughs> Who? Um, <laughs> get it over with, Ben. <laughs> what were your thoughts on this uh, movie? Like, I kind of figured if any slasher movie might win you over, it would be this one. But, but, but like, maybe it's just how the slasher film has developed over the years. But to me, when you say this influenced a slasher movie, I'm like, how is this a slasher movie? Like it's a guy on the phone for two hours telling girls they're cunts and he wants them to suck his doodle. And then basically like two people, like one person gets hit with a throat thing, a bag over the head. Somebody gets stabbed in a bed. Like seriously, like I I think slasher people are dying left, right and center. Like, I mean, again, maybe that's what it's developed off it, but like, I don't really watch horror films. I just thought this movie was just boring. It wasn't like the tagline of this film was like, if this doesn't make your skin skin crawl, your skin's too tight. Well, I'm sorry. It must be fucking tight. I must be a tight ass (laughs) prude. I'm Colin in this instance, because like this movie is not even the jump scare at the beginning. And like, how dumb are these girls? Like there's a dead body in their attic and they don't even look up there. Like, I mean, yeah, not a fan. I like I tuned out of this a lot. I was like, I'm like, oh, sorority house, teenage girls. This could be a bit of fun for Ben. Um, don't even get to see any boobs in this movie. It was the 70s. Come on, boobs are out all the time. Oh, it was it was Canada in the 70s. True, <laughs> we're a little bit more prudish, as um, you haven't noticed. I mean, look, like I'm not saying this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Uh, clearly, you can probably see where I'm going with this direction. But like, I mean, it's better than uh, probably all the movies we did for Dead Duck Month. Um, I mean, and as you said last week, this is a better made movie than last week. Don't get me wrong. Um, but like, it's just a movie that I wasn't a fan of. And it's probably something that you'll tell me in two years time. Remember we watched Black Christmas and be like, oh, what was that movie? Oh yeah. Well, as far as like the slasher thing goes, I mean, uh, 
I was telling Jamie, oh, I got to watch this Canadian slasher movie, Black Christmas or whatever. And she's like, oh, you like slasher movies. I'm like, I like like good slash. I like Psycho. I like the first Halloween movie, maybe the second Halloween movie. Uh, the slasher genre is so overdone that it is hard to go back to a movie like this and appreciate. Uh, but but what you're saying is not true. I mean, modern slasher movies are very different from this, but this kind of does fit in with like, when you look at Psycho, which might've been like one of the first real slasher movies, there's one graphic scene, and even that one graphic scene, you're just sort of seeing a knife moving and then you see drops of blood hitting in a shower. You know, most of the other deaths are like this. Even the first Halloween movie, which uh, Halloween was the big, the movie that was most inspired by Black Christmas to the point where the director, John Carpenter, when he was making Halloween, it actually came from uh, him hearing Bob Clark, the director of Black Christmas, talk about if we ever did a sequel to Black Christmas, we'd probably just make it the same thing, but have it take place at a different Halloween at Halloween. And he's like, I got an idea. Black Christmas at Halloween, and they just made Halloween out of it. But this is a sequel, right? This is a sequel to White Christmas. This was the diverse version. It is, yes. <laughs> I never actually connected the dots of why they called it Black Christmas until you said that, which is really embarrassing. I just I just think um, it's more... I think we joked about that when we did White Christmas. Like, if they modern, did a modern remake, it'd be called Black Christmas. Yeah. So, and isn't this what um, Wham sang about? Black Christmas, you Christmas, gave me my heart. <laughs> the very next day, you stabbed it away. Oh, how many people just failed that wham challenge uh, by us doing this episode? Hey, we, to bro, we killed moment. you. Suck it, everybody. <laughs> yeah, every every but, week um, I'm going to sing this dance song now. So if you tune in to 24, <laughs> Jack Bauer, he gave you his heart. <laughs> Screw you, stupid wham <laughs> challenge. Try to get Rossi on board with this. Rocky. I want to hear his karaoke. Rocky, sorry. But I mean, even the first Halloween movie is more in line with this where like, and and I think the things I appreciate about this is how subtle some of the death scenes are. There is a lot of absurdity in this movie. Uh, there is a lot of humor, which apparently you missed when you were zoned out because it was apparently intentional. I'll, just the only real background I could have about this movie is that uh, the director, Bob Clark, is not actually Canadian born. He was American born. He was, you know, went to film school. But when he got into making movies, he realized I can have more success coming to Canada. First, come there for tax purposes. And second, if I'm in America, there's so many other people to compete with. I go to Canada and I can maybe be a bigger deal. And he was. I mean, he basically was like the father of mainstream Canadian films. He went on to do Porky's after this, which for years was the highest grossing Canadian. I still technically worldwide, the highest grossing Canadian movie of all time. Um, but Black Christmas is sort of like his first real big hit. And he didn't write the movie. There, It was, it was a Canadian writer uh, who wrote this based on, I guess, a series of murders that were in Montreal. And then also combining it with this urban legend about the caller is inside the house, which is really the hook of this movie, which this isn't the only movie to ever do. There's been many movies that have kind of used that twist. There's even like a whole page on Wikipedia. There's like a dozen movies that have tried this. Only half of them were Black Christmas movies. But uh, uh, I mean, this movie was, I guess, a very big deal in Canada, made a ton of money, uh, instantly got picked up in the States and kind of died. And then they just had multiple really, they kept trying every couple of months. Let's try releasing that black Christmas movie. We know it'll catch on. And eventually it did develop a cult following, but uh, uh, I, I had you, had you had any familiarity with this movie other than making a joke about black Christmas? Were you aware of the, the remakes that have come out? Cause there've been two remakes that have come out in the last couple of years. I saw that there were remakes. Um, no, no clue. I think when we, um, talked about this a few years ago when it came up. I'd never heard because I initially I looked at that list by the way of what we were meant to do, and uh, I think it's been taken over by the one with the the newer one, obviously that only came out in the last year. But we we're meant to be doing Krampus. Um, which, oh yeah, which because I keep looking at my movie list and I go, what's this movie Krampus, and why do I have it? I obviously <laughs> already got it. But um, I remember that like all these ones that we were planning and doing, except for Gremlins, I'd never heard of. 
So um, you'd never heard of Gremlins? No, no, no. Except for Gremlins, I hadn't okay. heard of. Um, oh, I never heard of Gremlins. What's but, this movie? <laughs> but no, I, I just, I, yeah, I again, I'm just not a horror fan. It's just not my genre. So um, when we did Night of the Living Dead all those years ago, it's sort of. I didn't realize there was like four right. of them and things like that. So yeah, I always forget we did those movies and I enjoyed them. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like it's it's yeah, it's just not a genre I've paid attention to over the years. I'm I'm sorry, horror fans. So cast, I'll quickly talk about here because uh, I guess one of the things Bob Clark realized, and this is something we talked about on our, some of our Canada Australia month movies, is the, the appeal of. We can. It's hard to sell a movie in Canada, especially because you don't have that much money to work with. You you have one tenth of the amount of people who are actually going to pay to see your movie. Therefore, you get one tenth the budget. Uh, so Bob Clark was like the first guy who caught on and said, "Let's cast some Hollywood actors for a movie like this." So uh, you're, you're two, I guess, male and female leads. So you have Olivia Hussey, who's the the female lead in this. She had played Juliet and Romeo and Juliet in like the late sixties, which was like a really big movie, but it's considered controversial now because. The two actors were actually teenagers when they made it, and they actually filmed nude scenes, which apparently they kind of sprung on them at the last minute. Uh, but she had had moderate success. And then the guy, obviously, who plays her boyfriend, was Dave, uh, who, of course, we had such great fan fiction with him and Hal <laughs> having sex in 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, which is kind of crazy. They got the guy from 2001 A Space Odyssey playing a college kid five years after 2001 A Space Odyssey. I don't know if I really uh, buy that. Is he Canadian? Uh, and then he's not Canadian, no. But that's the thing is that let's get some other Hollywood actors and then let's sprinkle some Canadians in here like Margot Kidder, who this is what, uh, two years before she's even cast in Superman, four years before Superman even comes out. This is kind of like her you know, big movie debut. Uh, and then the other one, I said the aunt from my big fat Greek wedding, uh, Andrea Martin, who a couple years after this, when SCTV became such a huge thing, she became like a household name. Uh, but she's the one who played the, the curly haired girl with glasses in this movie. Uh, and, and she would go on to be the only cast member to return in like the 2006 one after that. But, uh, uh, I mean, you, you got some Canadian actors here, you got some Hollywood actors, none of which are really standouts. Um, I think Margot Kidder might be the closest thing to a standout performance in this movie. Uh, which other one than is she, the, she the, the, the one who gets, she's the one the who's bed. mouthing off too much. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah she's the one who dies right. on the bed. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, it makes me sad that you have to ask which one is Margot Kidder. But, but like, I, I met Margot Kidder. No, no, I know I know who Margot Kidder is. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like racist against teenage white girls in the seventies in Canada. But like, <laughs> except for the Can't curly, tell the difference. except for the curly hair, they kind of all look the same. Um, and Margot Kidder just reminds me of that story that I remember from like Mallory's mum, who like thought it was Margot Robbie, who was incredibly rude, who she had to deal with on the phone. <laughs> telling this story and I'm like that does not sound like Margot Robbie but okay and then like a day later oh no it was Margot Kitter who was really really rude and I'm like oh okay different Margot got it rest in peace Margot uh anyways jumping into the movie here because there's not much else to talk about uh first thing that John Carpenter ripped off with Halloween is like the introduction of this movie where you're hearing everybody inside uh they're having their Halloween or not their Halloween party they're uh they're Christmas party or whatever, the sorority Christmas party. They just have the POV of, I guess, supposed to be the killer sneaking into the house, which is the way the Halloween movies all do. Like uh, when Michael Myers is introduced, it's always like these same POV shots. Um, they get the, these obscene phone calls. They're saying that this is uh, a, a, one of multiples. One of the funny lines in here that I think Margot Kidder had where they're talking about, uh, um, oh, what this could be. And she says, uh, uh, what do you think is the Mormon Tabernacle Choir's annual obscene phone call? Uh, that was funny. Uh, I remember that line. Yeah. And and again, I think Margot Kidder is the only one who really gets to have any fun in this movie because she is the loudmouth who's just 
trying to she's egging on this person they're even saying don't egg them on they're gonna keep calling us um but uh the first death scene is uh, uh i don't even know one of the many girls that we can't tell the difference of claire i think is her name um when she dies with the plastic wrap uh now i, I as i said i was watching the 2006 movie and there's a lot of homages to this the main one being that the, in, in the 2006 one they just decide the killer is only going to use plastic wrap to kill everybody uh which i don't know it gets a little bit boring after a while um but uh uh, she dies, and then the, the old lady comes in, which I, I don't know how fraternities and sororities work. I guess they have to have an adult on premises, like an actual adult on premises, who's like the, the house manager or something. That's who this lady's supposed to be. Uh, they get her a muumuu for Christmas. <laughs> um, I, I, she has this funny line here. She's like, I wouldn't wear this to have my liver out, <laughs> which is good. Uh, and then the, I guess it's supposed to be the next day where Claire, the girl who died from plastic rag, doesn't meet her dad. Uh, and then the dad comes to the house to investigate. And this is where the, the old lady's, yeah, I guess, fun character in the movie where she's trying to cover for for the girl or I guess there's like this nudie poster on the wall. And she's just like has her hand over it and yeah. positioning her body very discreetly. I mean, Bob Clark, of course, the director would go on to, you know, kind of invent the teen sex comedy with Porky's. So he obviously had like the this this idea of having like kind of raunchy comedy in even a horror movie like this. Um, so, uh, uh yeah, when, when she's basically trying to say, there's nothing bad that goes on in this house. There's not a lot of sex or anything like that. And after the dad walks away, he says something like, these broads would hump the Leaning Tower of Pisa if they could get up there. Uh, then we get it. She's the main character here uh, where she, her and her and Dave from 2001 Space Odyssey, uh, where she's talking about they're going to have a baby and he's really excited about it. I actually kind of feel for this guy in this movie uh, because he gets very sad about this. And like he, he obviously has no choice in it. Uh, and she wants to have an abortion. Um, there's, uh, uh, they're having another, basically just a drinking binge for three days straight here. Another Christmas party. Is and there's it... a little boy there sitting on Santa's lap. Sorry to interrupt, but like, I swear this movie only takes place over a day. Cause isn't this whole, I like... think it's supposed to be two days. Cause like, I thought like this whole section after she gets the plastic bag is all the same day. I thought it was all well, on I the mean, same day. Well, I mean, it's the night before and I guess it ends the next day. So, because we have some daytime scenes, but the, the number one problem I have with this movie is you can't keep track of the timeline. Part of it is because when they're inside the house, like the windows are blacked out. If mm. you had seen when this Christmas party, because there's a little boy there sitting on Santa's lap, I doubt that they're bringing little boys there. And I mean, this sorority, Margot Kidder probably, but they're not bringing them like right in the middle of the night. But uh, uh, but Margot Kidder is getting like very touchy with this little boy, and she's boozing him up, which is a little bit weird. Uh, and then uh, we get another prank call. Um, uh, there's a mention of where did you put the baby? So they're all suspicious. Like um, oh, this might have something to do with her baby or whatever. Uh, they try to report their friend missing. Um, and the guy just, the guy, the police officer just blows it off. Now this guy gets a bad rap because the entire movie, they're like, Oh, you didn't even take this seriously. The girl's missing. She's been missing at this point. What for like eight hours? Mm. I mean, I don't think you can even legally report somebody missing in less than 48, especially if you're not the next of kin. The dad's Colin not knows. even there, I think. At this point. Colin knows about reporting people missing. Oh, I definitely do. <laughs> I've had much experience. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, he doesn't take it seriously. Um, we, uh, I, I think the guy even says here that, uh, you know, maybe that uh, her boyfriend or whatever, uh, she's off seeing her boyfriend. They go to see the boyfriend who's playing hockey because you're in Canada. That's what we do here. Uh, and um, they're kind of implying that he's cheating on the boyfriend. So he goes, because he gets upset. This is another kind of funny thing where they're saying, oh, they think she may have gone off with some guy. So he goes off to this police officer who is literally just doing his job saying, I can't take a report. She hasn't been missing long enough. She's probably with some guy. So, you trying to say my girlfriend cheated on me? And he's getting like really aggressive with them. 
Um, there's this uh, funny line here. No. Hello, Casper. Funny line. Hello, Casper in the movie. You don't want to play the tablet? Then don't. Just go upstairs and do something else and stop bothering me. It's been a while since I've you had a take that car? appearance. Casper, we were talking uh, last week about your oatmeal book. Yeah, your, Casper. Your and now Remy's coming down. All right, Yay, great. You the guys family. all here to come Black Christmas. Family okay? reunion. <laughs> Why don't you guys go upstairs? You're going to take the oatmeal hunt book upstairs and read it to Remy? Yeah, do go that, take Casper. It. No, Remy's like, no. <laughs> Aww. Go upstairs, guys, okay? Um... <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, this is where they had that that uh, line about. Uh, I think it was another Margot Kidder one. It's like, do you know, there's a certain species of turtle that can screw for three days without stopping. I'm lucky if I get three minutes. Um, the police uh, finally taking this seriously. There, I, I thought they were taking it seriously. So, so correction, they're actually out searching for a distant, different missing girl. Which I this really confused me because why is the dad of the the missing sorority girl there? When they're searching for some 13-year-old girl named Janice? That was Um, very confusing because particularly when the death scene, like when they discover the body, because they cut to mm -hmm. the attic and you see like the woman with the thing in the throat, you see the plastic bag, and then they start screaming. So I I rewound it like twice going like, wait, so they've just found the bodies in the attic. But no, this is a little kid. And like, it's like, are we not allowed to see a dead kid? Is that why? Like, it's like, oh no, (laughs) like it, it was so weird. It's never really explained in the no. movie that, like, I guess that this killer, whoever, that he had been on a killing spree, he just wound up at this sorority house. There's no, like, deep story to it or anything. And this is somebody else he killed. So there's this police search. Um, we get the cat upstairs. Oh, you love your cats. How about a cat licking Claire's corpse? Did you appreciate that, Ben? Absolutely favorite part of the movie, Colin. Um, why not? <laughs> um, yeah, and of course, the, the police still haven't even shown up here. The old lady goes up. Uh, she's the only one who thinks to go into the attic and she finds the the body. Um, there, there is a really clever shot here. Like I, I like, I like when you could do kind of discreet deaths that are maybe a little bit scarier, at least clever than just seeing somebody stabbed in the eye, which is all that the 2006 remake I was watching was, uh, when the old, the old lady, the, the, whatever her name is, the house mother, when she's looking up in the attic and then she sees the dead body. And then the only shot you get is just her body being pulled, like her entire body being pulled up into the attic and just disappearing. That was fantastic. So the girls decide that they're getting these prank phone calls still, so they're going to call to at least report the calls. Um, and uh, another excuse here, probably one of your boyfriends playing a joke on you. Blame the boyfriends, obviously. That's the the theme of this movie. Um, and this is where the main cop... Now, this guy actually uh, was another big deal, uh, the, the the main sheriff, if you want to call him this movie, John Saxon. Uh, he would play the father in the, uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie, where he basically played the same character, like chief of police slash father. Uh, but he also had just uh, made the movie Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee, which was a massive hit. So I guess this was another land to have him. Uh, but he goes up to this cop who just dismissed them earlier. And he's basically trying to connect the dots here where he's like, so prank phone calls, dead girl in the woods, another missing girl. You think we have enough dots to connect here where we might want to look into it? Um <laughs> I would call that laughing at this. Is this Canadian humor? Because I'm like, I'm not laughing. Like, <laughs> this is Canadian like, humor like that's going over this Australian's head. Well, look, <laughs> here's something. I'm, I'm sure you would have nothing that you would get out of it. When when Margot Kidder was there earlier and they're trying to report it and they made the, the joke about fellatio or whatever. Uh, and then the 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 cop who had taken this report or whatever, when, when the, the main cop, John Saxon, when he's sitting down and he's reading this report, you have the other cop in the background who's just laughing, like trying to conceal his laughter. And he goes up and he asks him about it. And he's basically talking about Felicia. And of course, this other cop is me. He doesn't understand what this is. And he goes, 
yes, fellatio. One of the girls gave that to me. And the other guy's still laughing. He goes, that's something dirty, ain't it? <laughs> Just gets upset. How did you not get some enjoyment out of that? I Again, Canadian humor clearly has changed over the last 50 years. <laughs> Just straight out of kids in the hall so old. <laughs> um, I love 70s Canadian humor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll kind of wrap it or cap it here, uh, where, um, the boyfriend or the, doesn't want the main girl to have an abortion. He calls and he's basically saying he's going to quit school. Now she's getting very defensive here. Uh, of course, when he's saying I'm going to quit school and we're going to have this baby. And she's like, I'm, I'm in school right now. I can't quit school. He goes, no, I'm quitting school. Uh, which of course she doesn't want him to do because he's going to be throwing away his entire life. But I, I still kind of feel for this guy. This is one thing in the movie where there's a little bit of emotion. This guy actually wants to have the baby. Of course, why not? He's 45, apparently, and still in college. Uh, but uh, she doesn't want to have the baby, but he's really excited about it, and he's going to get more sad later. But he's willing to quit school and give away his entire future because of it. Uh, like, I, I don't know. Like, I just some of this stuff that's happening is just, like, uh, to me, it's just nonsensical. And I think, like, a lot of last week made more sense in a horror movie video director video thing. Because, like, it's sort of, you get, like, these creepy shots of them going around the halls and you hear, like, breathing and then like, why is this person just in the house and then just, like, calling up, going, like, saying really inappropriate things and then just, like, I'm going to take one person and choke it with a bag and then he just sits in the attic and, like, strokes it. Like, huh? And then, like, he'll kill this drunken house lady woman. Like, who is she? Like, I mean, again, like... I'm with you. I don't know. We don't do sororities and these sort of things and fraternities in Australia. It's not a thing here, but like, it's just, yeah. I don't get why you have like, and like she's encouraging them to drink and have sex. Like I get it, it was the seventies, but still like, it's like, huh? Um, and then like this dad, I, my random favorite, like over the top line though, is when this dad's like waiting in like the town square, some kid like throws a snowball at his head. He's poor old grandpa oh. dad's on the ground with the glasses. And this like guy comes up and is like, oh, you know, that's pretty bad. Sorry about that. And then he just goes, well, I said I'm sorry, so I'm going. Yeah. And it's like, why did he just snap at the poor guy? Like, he just, you know, <laughs> got like, probably got a concussion or something like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then like, basically the majority of the rest of this movie is just them trying to find this poor girl, which again, I, I'm with you, like eight hours. Like, yeah, that, that's nothing. But, um, and like, is it Margot Kidder or one of them? They go, no, she's dead. I just know she's dead. Um, and again, like, I mean, if you're getting phone calls, like, and you're, you're calling up the cops, like, this is where you do say like, yeah, like we're getting creepy phone calls. Don't just end it there. But like, yeah, this guy's like full on saying like, I want you to suck my cock. I want you to like mm-hmm. stick it in my cunt. Like, like well, very inappropriate. It was the seventies. True. Yeah, true. That was just on TV. <laughs> Welcome to Saturday Night Live, you <laughs> cunt. Um, I said that word too many times in this episode. I am Australian. I apologize. Um, also Canadian because I'm apologizing for saying it. <laughs> well, that's the wrong one. Never mind. Sorry, Roger Paul, for getting a bit of a thing there. Uh, da, 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 da. there we go. Um, yeah, it's just it's just odd. But then, like this little kid storyline, which again I don't get. And then you've got this whole like, oh, I love you, and. I want to keep the baby. But like, clearly this woman doesn't love him because we got that line when he's on the phone and he's all like, I love you, Jenny. And she's just like, I know. Like, <laughs> come on, man. I'm a Colin wouldn't get that, but I've been in enough of these things to know that if you're telling someone that I love you and they reply with, I know you're in trouble. Um, 
Yeah. Hey. <laughs> like, I mean, the only time that's acceptable if you're Han Solo or Princess Leia. Because um, <laughs> then it's sweet. Um, but, like, uh, this is, I mean, I guess, is it progressive? 70s talking about abortion? I mean, this is something that still is a bit taboo today. Um, mm. And so he's like a, a concert person who's wanting to write a thing and then he's like been awake for like three days and i don't know what they're trying to do with this there's hockey um <laughs> so i mean is this, this obviously is meant to be set in canada too right like this isn't like a canadian yeah. film made in america do you have sororities and fraternities in your colleges i i've known one or two people who said they were in a sorority um it's, i don't think it's that big of a thing i i don't know whether American sororities are even like they are in the movies. So, but I, I know that the people who have been in sororities here are basically like, yeah, it's not like it is in the movies. Gotta say also, just uh, backtracking a bit where we said this is a sequel to White Christmas, just like White Christmas, not really a Christmas movie. I mean, <laughs> this, like, you see a Christmas tree. I mean, it is Jack Frost from last week, though. That's the thing, but, is we, we get some of these takes place around Christmas movies. But I would argue that's more of a Christmas movie because a person's called Jack Frost, it's snowing. Uh, and a woman gets murdered oh. as a Christmas tree ornament. This week, you see a Christmas tree. That's it. Well, they have several Christmas parties. It's eh. called Black Christmas. In, I mean, I, I'm not arguing. You way. Sometimes you can have a Christmas movie and not have it be about Christmas. Because, I mean, how much... I, I make good arguments that I think White Christmas is actually a Christmas movie. Know. But uh, th- this one, it, it's, it's a little bit more crispy than Jack Frost. Because Jack Frost... They, they're just holding a snowman making competition. I don't even think there was one Christmas tree in that whole movie. I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, if I renamed Kill Phil a Kill Phil Christmas, it doesn't make it a Christmas movie just because I've added the word Christmas to it. Sure it does. Okay, then just got to put a tree in there. The world is not enough. It's a Christmas movie. There's a character called Christmas Jones in it. Christmas movie. Um, simple. Uh, that's the well, logic. it's a New Year's movie. Well, true. Um, but anyway... Um, I don't even know where you stopped at this point. Like, I, I have they tapped the phone yet? And I love... I love no, the, they're just about to. Well, I just want to say before I get to that, I, I do love, like, the cops are so inept at their job yelling at these poor victims. Oh, keep them on the phone longer. We haven't traced them <laughs> yeah. enough. I'd be like, well, fuck you, buddy. Like, I'm... The, the girl actually says it like, I'm traumatized by this. It's hard. Yeah. Like, hey, you, we're trying to cap a, catch a rapist. Let him rape you more before then we can catch him. Like, another rape joke. Good job, Ben. Two in a row. Um, but, like, it's just... Don't blame the victim cops. Get better technology. Anyway. I mean, at the same time, there are one too many conversations where the, the caller calls up and she's just sitting there and not saying anything. Be like, so... uh <laughs> Where are you from? The acting is who, who, who so, you think is going to win the World Series? The acting is so bad though, because like my opening lineup. Oh, she's hello, pardon? Yeah, who? <laughs> it's so bad. Like, this actress, Olivia Hussey. Okay, so she was in Romeo and Juliet. She was a teenager at the time, but that movie was nominated for like Oscars and everything. Um, she took this movie because her psychic told yeah. her she would be in a very successful movie that was made in Canada. So she took wow. this movie that was offered to her that was Canadian. Now, on the set of this movie, Margot Kidder basically said, we all got along really well, except for Olivia. Yeah. She was a little bit odd. She was constantly talking to her psychic about how Paul McCartney was going to fall in love with her. <laughs> okay. So um, her psychic was got one out of two. She made a successful movie uh, in Canada. She never had Paul McCartney fall in love with her, you though. You don't know that's true or not. Paul McCartney could have been sitting around one night going, oh, I love this woman. She's very attractive. I think I'm in love with her. 
<laughs> that was the best Paul McCartney plays Roger Moore ever. I know. I didn't realize Paul McCartney was Roger Moore. Hello, Ben. I'm she Paul loves McCartney. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> A woman in love with me. Uh, <laughs> let it be. Let it be. Thinking about the Simpsons one, the uh, vegetarian one, yeah, where it's like, oh, and, and whatever, uh, oh, you don't eat this, no, oh, then you must think I'm a monster, yes, we certainly do. <laughs> this reminds me of the Sesame Street parody of uh, the song Let It Be, where they did Let Her Be, and they had actual Beatles as the Beatles. I thought, <laughs> oh, Sesame so Street, clever. you've done a good job. <laughs> Let Her Be starts words with like balloon. Um, but yeah, Roger Moore and Paul McCartney, they did a movie together. We got one degree there. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, so they, they put the tap on the phone here, uh, which this is where I start to find a lot of holes in the shoddy police work, especially from the main police officer who's doing nothing but judge the other guys. Cause there's even a part yeah. later on where he's telling him, I want you to call the house and then tell her just to walk out the front door and do nothing else. And can you not screw this up for a change, Larry or whatever it is. <laughs> but meanwhile, he's going in there. He's like, all right. All right, I want to sweep up every barn, barn house, outhouse, farmhouse, or whatever. He's like, I want to tap on this phone. He looks through the house, doesn't look at the attic. Yeah. Where even at the end of this movie, there's still two bodies up there undiscovered. Yeah. This guy doesn't even think, let's go to the attic. The whole movie's over if he goes in the and attic. This guy's in the house the whole time. Like seriously, like even when even when you find out, oh no, Johnny's in the house, you still don't look in the attic. Like that's in the house. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it? <laughs> and they got stuff in the attic. This I, I've never been in my attic. I've got an attic in my house. Never been in there. I have no reason to go in there. I don't need it for storage. I haven't had to, you know, repair any leaks in the ceiling. But like, they've got all their stuff up there. There's stuff in the attic. There's a rocking chair in the attic. They got to whip out that rocking chair, you know, once every six months or whatever they use it. Go in the attic. What if, what if somebody wants a rocking chair? Um, we get the uh, um, uh, the, the, the wiretap on the phone here. Uh, when they're back at the police station. Uh, back, back, back at the, the headquarters, they take in the paddy wagon or whatever. Uh, another funny line in this was where they're taking all the the tips over the phone. I guess about the the dead girl who's actually been missing that they were searching for, and he's like, he hasn't worn his hat in two days. <laughs> well, we'll certainly look into it and just hangs up the phone. Um, I think it's Margot Kidder who has an asthma attack, a nightmare mm. asthma attack. She said she had a nightmare. There's a stranger in a room, which is that that was kind of creepy because you actually know at this point somebody's in the house. And she's like, I'm thinking like, oh, she's just so drunk. She didn't realize that somebody was in her room. Um, everybody's going to bed. I, I love that everybody goes to bed very early here because kids are still out caroling like an hour after all the girls, except for the one main one, are saying, we're going to go to bed. We're really tired. And kids, they were like five, six years old. They're out caroling at the door that she's sitting there watching. Um, and why are they coming to a university campus to carol too? Like if you're going to go caroling, do you go to the, the sorority houses? Uh, it's the 70s. Maybe they do. Uh, there's probably the most disturbing death in this movie where uh, Margot Kidder gets stabbed right through the head with the unicorn, the the horn of that, uh, what do you call glass unicorn or whatever, mm. which another thing, the 2006 remake decided to work that in there. Um, and then this is the, one of the things where I'm like, I cannot bin this movie because the effective creepy shots of just the eye, when when you see like the the guy in the the, the, the dark in the shadows and all that's lit is his crazy looking eye. I'm like, that is a crazy shot. And they, Bob Clark does that several times in this movie where you only focus on like this one random shot of like the eye peering out. This is giving me nightmares. Um, yeah, I mean, most of the violence is off camera in this movie, but I kind of like that. 
Uh, you get the the phone call where now they're actually quoting before they had basically said something about a baby. Now they're actually quoting the conversation she had with her boyfriend. So this just becomes, let's blame the boyfriend. He must be guilty. I mean, were you thinking at any point it's probably the boyfriend or yeah. did it seem like it was too obvious? I know, to you? I, know, you I, know I know enough about horror movies, but, but, but can I ask this now jumping ahead? Is it actually the boyfriend though? Cause that's implied at the end. It's not no. it's somebody else, right? Cause he's yeah. Cause he's dead at the end of this movie. And then they decide to shift the blame and say, well, the two of them did it together or something like that. Um, yeah, so uh, they they don't get the they get the incomplete traces here. Yeah, this is what they keep saying. Keep them on the phone longer. It's like I'm trying. Um, the, uh, uh, the other stuff here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that's what we need to do moving forward in the Oz Network. So the movie starts. This, and more stuff junk happens. And I am to be right. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, there's some blood somewhere. There's an eye, and stuff happens. Uh, uh, yeah. So the other girl. Uh, Get scared with, it, with that face in the window uh, that she sees. Uh, the guys who are coming out there. That's another kind of good jump scare. Uh, this is the my big fat Greek lady lady who <laughs> uh, decides to go to bed here. She goes to check on Margot Kidder. Another really like uh, it, it, maybe you weren't watching this movie closely enough to get like some of the really effective like scare shots. But when Andrea Martin here, when she's going to check on Margot Kidder, and you just see her open the door and close it, and you hear that voice because this. The guy, the killer keeps talking about like the name David, which I guess is supposed to be his name. And then what's the other name? Agnes is what he keeps saying. And you just hear very quietly as she's opening and closing the door, something about David. And yet she keeps closing it. I'm like, ooh, that kind of gave me the chills. Um, uh, then they they trace the call. I I, I do kind of like, is this how calls are actually traced? Where there's like, we got the call and there's a guy running around a warehouse sort of listening in on Seven. lines. No, not this one. I don't even understand how this works, but I'm like, it kind of makes a good visual, I guess. Uh they, they figure out the call is coming from inside the house. So uh, we get another one of those crazy eye shots here. Um, they give the orders here to Larry. Don't screw it up, Larry. Call and tell her just to come out the front door and talk Atta to boy, us. Attaboy, Larry. Time's off forever. Yeah, attaboy, Larry. Attaboy. Uh, and of course, Larry actually does kind of do his job. She goes, no, no, no. Tell me what's going on. All right. The killer is inside the house. Don't worry about your friends. They're all dead anyways. Just come out. And of course, she starts screaming. No, no, no. Um, she's searching around the house. She sneaks into the basement. Uh, you never see this killer, which I actually think is kind of effective in this movie. But you do see the boyfriend breaking in here. So this is how you know it's on the boyfriend because it was inside the house, but then you see him breaking in through the the window. I think they're still trying to make you think maybe he's somewhat involved. Modern day audiences are probably thinking of like scream at this point. Oh, there's got to be more than one killer or whatever. But I mean, I'll give this movie credit because slasher movies that follow this, you always knew who the slasher was. It was the guy in the mask. It was Michael Myers, or it was Jason, or it was Freddy Krueger. This movie did something that probably wasn't done for almost over 20 years after this, which is kind of combine the idea of who is the killer, like a who done it, uh, even though the, you don't really ever find out who done it in this movie, uh, but a uh, little bit ahead of his time. But yeah, the boyfriend breaking the basement, um, and then the cops just come in. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, the cops come in. Can't even and, see her on uh, camera now. You were a camera different position. I didn't even say a sneak up there. She's in the house. It was, <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was her request. She didn't want to be seen. Is that red um, red was, Robin oats or whatever it's called? Or yeah, Bob's Red Mill steel cut oats. <laughs> but uh, the movie kind of ends here, which uh, I guess this has gotten like both criticism and praise. The fact that it ends, you come in and you see she's got her dead boyfriend in her arms. And she's still alive. And then the cops are just saying, it's like, oh, she's out of it. But they, they kind of have like this muttering in the background. They're saying, it's like, we think that her and the boyfriend did this all together. And then she, I guess, killed the boyfriend. That's what they're thinking. Camera kind of pans up to the attic and you still see like the, the rocking chair moving in there, which means obviously the real killer is still there. Just some deranged guy. But uh, I, there is some really effective stuff in here. It's one of these things where 
I feel like this movie deserves credit for what it helped to inspire and definitely credit for what it did at the time. It is ahead of its time. It's well made for slasher movies or horror movies at the time. But uh, when you compare it to some modern things, it's like some things definitely don't hold up with it. And look, I can't take away with anything you just said. I, I, I agree. I think it's it's a well-made movie. It's inspired an entire genre and you can't take away from that. And I think that, again, it it's the Barbie argument. It's a movie not made for Ben Waterworth and I'm just not going to like it for what it is. And uh, But it's not a Cats or an Emoji movie or a Zardoz where I'm like, this is a shit fucking movie. This isn't a bad movie. It's just not one that I enjoy. Um, and I didn't get out of it. And Colin is shuffling down that pasta. He is a hungry motherfucker. He's... Well, I got so much time before I got to speak again. Um, One thing that I'll say just quickly is I think maybe this movie is meant to be set in America because if you look at the, the police desk, they've got an American flag on it. So maybe that's why it's such an emphasis on sororities and fraternities and they were trying to... Do it. I mean, there's a couple of the actors. Make sure are, they got an American release. Yeah, without specifying the name of a city. I think uh, there's one of the guys in it. He's very Canadian sounding. Uh, like he's got the oh hey how are you going oh let's go down to the local rinky. Um, but like yeah, I'm looking at it right now and there's a clear American flag on the desk. So um, maybe I honestly like I'm sorry to disrupt your shoveling of your pasta because I know you're trying to get it in. Which the sad fact is I don't really have a whole lot to add because like I got a bit confused at the end when like again. Sort of, it's not the boyfriend, even though, yeah, I as soon as, you know, because he, there is one point when he does call up and he's talking about killing the baby, right? Like that's. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's in tears. Which I kind of feel sorry for this guy. Like, don't go whole homicidal yeah. maniac, but like, this guy's just in love with the girlfriend. He wants to keep the baby. Um, you know, she doesn't. So he gets a little bit murdery at the end, which is probably <laughs> not a good thing. Um, but in all fairness, she killed him. But he him. doesn't. Um, so... But she does... Okay, wait, no, no. Did you miss that in the movie? That, that He didn't do any of this. She didn't do any of it. That's just what the police are assuming at the end. No, 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 I get that bit, but what I'm saying is that he dies at the end, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, she has killed him in that basement. No. Oh, oh no, he's not dead. No, so, oh. so what it's implying is that the... And again, I think this is why it, it had uh, some people who loved it, some people didn't, because they keep it sort of up in the air, but... By the fact that you still have the rocking chair in the, the attic later on, and you hear that voice, it's implying that the 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 real killer no, who's no, been no, in the house the whole time, who no, you never know who it is, I, I killed the boyfriend. No, 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 I get she's that. In shock. I get that. But what I'm saying is, like, the boy is dead at the end. Like he, when they've had that fight in the basement, and they discover them, and she's like unconscious, and he's like on the ground, and she wakes up. He's dead, isn't he? He's dead, but yeah. she didn't kill him. No, it no, was no. the real killer. Whoever oh. it is, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't get that. I thought she had killed him yeah. in self-defense. Right. Okay. Yeah, no. But no, but I'm yeah, so he is dead. Okay. I'm like, Phew. All right, just <laughs> glad we can establish that bit. Oh, Ben's there's my notes. Uh he is dead. Tick. All right, cool. Um yeah, again, I don't really have a whole lot more to add. I just I mean, it, not a movie for me. Um it might be a movie for you if we watch the 2006 remake. Um, cause I'm just going to run through some of the cast here for you. There's some, there's some Jenna good Elizabeth. actors that you probably wouldn't, uh, no, but it's got, uh, what's, what's her name? Who she played the girlfriend in, uh, the last season, Beirut's girlfriend in 24. Oh, um, 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 oh, uh, me, 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 yep. Yep. Um, why have I gone blank in the name? Yeah. Le- Mister. Le- Le- Mister. Le- Le- Mister. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and also Michelle Trachtenberg is oh. in that movie. Um, oh. yes. I'm watching so. it now. 
you, you might you might like that one more. I I uh I didn't care for it um because I think it's basically everything that went wrong with slash movies after that. What, what's interesting about the second one is that I almost thought for a while that it was supposed to be a sequel because they start referencing all this stuff from the seventies, but. It's kind of like uh, if you ever watch the Halloween movies, the original Halloween movie, there's never any explanation. You never see they, they refer to him as Michael Myers. They say he's a deranged boy who had killed his family when he was a kid. But there's no connection to any of the characters, or any reason for why he's doing this. It's just I walked uh, into this neighborhood. I saw some teenage girls. I decided to try to kill them. Um, but in the second Halloween movie, they decided to write it in where it's like he was actually Jamie Lee Curtis's brother. And, you know, she was a baby at the time, so she's never been told this. And most of the sequels actually followed that. Um, that's kind of done like more subtly than what the 2006 one decides. It's mostly making a backstory of who this killer is, which is that he is a boy who had a skin condition uh, where he had yellow skin. His mother never wanted him. She wanted a girl. Uh, she kills the real father. She then rapes her own son uh, to impregnate herself with the daughter that she really wanted. And this is what makes him a killer later on like they give way too much backstory where you take all the mystery out of it this movie has i think that enough mystery where it's like it's almost creepier because you don't know and then the 2006 one is just garbage and most of the kill scenes in the 2006 word version like they literally have him eating human flesh it's like it's way too over the top of the violence two quick things related but not related but it's going to go on a tangent but it's related to kind of what you said first of all Leighton Mester is not in the 2006 black christmas i think you're getting her confused with another attractive white girl um, oh, <laughs> but having said that, I have looked up Leighton Mester because why not? Um, and I've seen her filmography and this is kind of disturbing and I don't know what to think about this. In 2023, she's in a film called River Wild, which I've clicked on it is a 2023 reimagining of the River Wild. They're remaking it. They've, they've done it. It's out. Um, it's got Adam Brody and it's a real life couple <laughs> are playing in the same movie. I'm sorry, 1994 River Wild with Kevin Bacon, Meryl Streep, David Stratham, uh, John C. Riley. Why has this been remade? You don't need to remake The River Wild, even if it does have Leighton Mester and Adam Brody in it. Half a good cast. But I'm offended. Boo! Uh, you, you could definitely get some enjoyment, though, out of watching the 2006 version for whoever is her double, because I'm like, I was 100% convinced it was her. Uh, is um, it Katie Cassidy? Is that the... No, because that, that's a girl from Arrow, and it wasn't her. It's somebody, I mean, there's a lot of Ma random Oh, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. I've heard she was in... No, um... that's not her, because I definitely know her. She's in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. It's it's one of the other random people Lacey in this movie. Lacey Chabot, who was in um, no, Mean Girls. No, and, that's Mean Girls. It's not her. And, uh, Lost um, in Space. I'm going to have to find... <laughs> I'm going to have to go through the credits and find it. <laughs> Uh, or maybe it's an uncredited role. Who knows? Um, but uh, anyways, yeah, the 2006 version wasn't well received, didn't do well. Then they remade it again in 2019. Also wasn't that received, slightly better, but uh, didn't do that well. Um, uh, box office for this, the movie made $1.3 million with basically an instant hit in Canada. Uh, now, putting that in perspective, that's, you know, again, one-tenth the size of the United States. It's equivalent of $13 million dollars. Uh, if you did $13 million in 1974, Canadian box office, I mean, that's that's pretty huge hit for a horror movie. They almost immediately picked it up to release in the States around Christmas time. It basically flopped. They tried to re-release it again uh, a couple times throughout the summer, made another push in the, the fall. Basically, by uh, a couple years later, this had developed enough following that like NBC picked it up for like a movie of the week. And right before it was ready to air is when um, what's in Ted Bundy had escaped from prison and then been found 
actually breaking in and raping sorority girls. So they decided they were going to give the option to air it or not air it, uh, which bad timing for that. But um, John Carpenter obviously remade this movie as Halloween, literally remade it as Halloween, just threw a mask on a guy. Uh, so it has uh, a following. Um, one star reviews. Let's uh, take a look at this here. Cause this movie is, I guess, pretty well liked um or what is it on rotten tomatoes here let me see um i'm still looking i'm still looking uh i'm looking at the wrong version i'm looking at the new one uh phil dead air phil dead air um dead air light and mister on a boat uh 72 <laughs> percent on rotten tomatoes uh so one star reviews let's look here uh oh, we got one star and, are we okay yeah uh, so, so boring. Love I love horror movies, but could only make it halfway in before turning the snooze fest off. Too much talk and no horror. They should have added more slashing and blood and called it Red Christmas. Watch only if you have trouble sleeping because this will knock you out. Uh, okay uh, 70s mindset. The characters are awful. I think this was trying to reflect the young adult post-hippie era moral confusion. Well, that's reading a lot into it. Um, I'd agree uh, with that. I'm reading that right now. I'm not scary. Gave up. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Black Christmas. Um, one of the worst films I've ever seen. I'm gobsmacked at the other reviews. Terrible acting and the ending was non-existent. Um, let's look at some plot keywords here. Uh, sorority house month. Um, we can get something good out of that, right? Uh, Reminding me of The Simpsons. Um, uh, ooh, that could be good. An evening with Philip Glass. Just an evening? Uh, <laughs> Voices of the elderly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make some soothing ocean noises. <laughs> uh, unplanned pregnancy month. Murder uh, of a got child month. Uh, murder of a child. Oh, that's Ben's favorite there. Uh, what is tracing a telephone call? Canuxploitation month. What does that mean? Is oh, that so, so it's basically, I, I guess I was reading up on that. I never had a chance to actually read what it was, but. I guess it's it's something that was coined where you know you, Canadian B grade films or whatever. Um, well, can you if we look find at the that, definition of this? Porky's Tucker and Dale versus Evil, Black Christmas, and the Changeling. Cubes uh, on I it. mean, the Changeling. One I think we're doing next year. Oh, shit. great! Yeah, so maybe it is just like you know, uh, low budget Canadian trashy films. I wouldn't call Cube a trashy movie. I definitely wouldn't call the Changeling a trashy movie, but. Uh, um, obviously, this had an influence because there was a lot of other horror movies that followed. There's a uh, lot of plot keywords on this, but uh, not a main character repeat. Killer locked inside with targets. Telling someone to shut up month. There we go. <laughs> uh, I think we've done this one before, haven't we? Uh, Home Alone, Inside Out, Titanic, and Forrest Gump. Okay. Uh, girl Wears Eyeglasses month. Yeah. Um, Attack on Titan. Boy, that's coming up a lot, Attack on Titan. Modern Family, Bob's Burgers, Family Guy. Um, yeah, not that Reference stuff to there. Julie Christie month. Uh, who the fuck <laughs> Was Julie there one Christie? in this movie? Black Christmas, The Tender Bar, Better Than Chocolate, that Canadian movie that I always bring up, the lesbian <laughs> sex movie with um, with Wendy Crewson in it that you don't believe exists. Uh, can, I choose that? can I choose that for Canadian Australia month one year and uh, the last horror film? Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll swap movies one year. We can do the, I'll do the Australian idea. Idea. Yeah. Um, I'm doing porkies I, and better than chocolate. <laughs> um, 
I tried like again, Bob Clark became such a huge deal. Like um, he would go back and do Hollywood movies when he did a Christmas story, obviously the, in the, the mid eighties. But uh, I tried to watch Porky's and like, I don't get it at all. It is just obnoxious. And it's literally people just doing things they think are funny and then laughing hysterically at themselves for like a minute straight. So basically being a normal teenager, you're saying is what Porky's is. <laughs> basically being us. Uh, <laughs> we're doing it right now. Um, I don't want to buy this movie just because I don't feel that I feel like I watch this movie and I appreciate things about this, but it more so makes me want to watch Halloween. Uh, but I would definitely rent this movie because it is very well made. There are some very clever things in here. Um, it's not terrible. Uh, it's not the best. It's somewhere in the middle and it comes from my country. So that's that that sums up Canada. Not terrible. Not the worst somewhere in the middle. Yeah, but that sums up Ben Waterworth from Australia. Like, that's not a good uh, review. Um, yeah, it's a bar. A bin. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's a buy. Spoiler. Over. I actually loved it. Uh, no, nah, it's a bin. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm never going to watch this again. I'm never going to remember it again. And even Michelle Trachtenberg in a remake doesn't really make me want to watch it. Um, so if it had Leighton Mester in it. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I'd rather watch it. River Wild, the reimagining of the night. <laughs> kind of weirdly want to see it now just to see how bad it treats a classic. That made my top 50 movies of all time. When are we doing the River Wild 30th anniversary? We've talked about year? that one for a long time. Maybe, yeah, it will be anniversary. Maybe we can do five next year for anniversary month or a bonus yeah. episode for our Patreons or something like that. Or do a second anniversary month. Hey, I wouldn't be. There's a lot of mo- good movies in 1994. We could do Forrest Gump. 94. Yeah. I'm down for Forrest Gump. Fugitive was 94. Oh. That was 93, wasn't it? That yeah. was 93. Damn. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Pulp uh, Fiction. A big year for movies. Yeah. Shawshank Redemption, 93. Yeah. 94. Yeah, that was 94. Was it 94? Oh, I'm thinking Schindler's mm. List was 93. I always get them confused. No, that was, yeah, that was Nazis, prison. Well. Um, you know. Yeah, um, I always confuse them. <laughs> Liam Neeson, Tim Robbins, often confused. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd been. And bottom of the list, obviously, after two movies. I, I bought last week and binned it. But um, yeah, sorry, sorry. I never th- would have thought I would have had Jack Frost '97 as the top of my list. Oh, uh, it, but you've seen. It might change next. next week, two, I think the next two would change. But I'm assuming you love Gremlins, and you've seen this the other one, right? I, yeah. So I, I actually on the, the Canadian side here, Violent Night was filmed here, and I, I would say my hometown. Although technically the majority LaSalle. of the movie takes place in a house in LaSalle, Manitoba. Uh, but there, there's only like one scene that takes place in Winnipeg. The majority of the movie is filmed at like, uh, it's a mansion that's used in many different movies. That's, I don't know, maybe about 20, 30 minutes north of the city here. But uh, I remember when that movie was being filmed here and it was a big deal. Uh, I, I saw it last year. I enjoyed it. It's it's Die Hard with Santa instead of John McClane. It's got some fun stuff in there. It's It's got some sad stuff in there. It was a movie that I just remember walking out of being like, that wasn't what I expected it to be because I kind of expected when you see David Harbour playing Santa trying to kill people, you're like, well, this is going to be like Jack Frost or Santa Slays. And I'm like, it was actually very different than what I expected, but like in a good way. It's got uh, Mrs. Uh, Griswold in it. Beverly D'Angelo's in it. Didn't realize that. Um, Yeah, I remember you talking about it last year and um, I nearly watched it because you, you sold it. Like I think last year we had very different Christmas movies. You watched Violet Night, I watched Spirited. Uh, and spoiler alert, <laughs> the other one might be on our list next year to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it looks... I remember you sending me the trailer and it looked good. I just, just didn't get around to, to watching it. Where were you, were you born in Winnipeg or were you born in LaSalle? Um, no, we were... Well, we were living in Winnipeg when I was a baby. But my dad owned a property in Vita, Manitoba, which is like small, small, small town. So we were commuting back and forth. And then I basically 
spent a couple of years in Vita, spent a couple of years in LaSalle and but came where back were you in born? So technically I was where was your I was born in Winnipeg. Right. Okay. But my dad had two properties. So I mean I, I was oh. I didn't actually officially live in Winnipeg like full time until I was eight. It was always small towns and a little bit of Winnipeg. Dad was rich enough to own two places, yet he lived in LaSalle, Manitoba. Okay. Uh yeah. <laughs> I guess anyone can own properties if they plural if they live in rural Manitoba. Uh, no, I'm looking forward to Violet Night. It will be a violent night, and I'm hosting that one. So, um, yes, do we sing yes. in that one? Violent night, murderous night. We've got nine more minutes, you Colin. You want to talk about anything else? Or um, what else should we talk about? We yeah, got other time. Coming You've up, done right? very well on this one. Well done. Thank you. Very uh, I good. think it came down to you saying, I've got nothing to declare. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's December now, so at least there's that. Um, but... Are you are you excited for Christmas, Ben? What do you want? <laughs> what did you ask Santa for? Got tickets to the Chemical Brothers. My, uh, my I, I, Noah was with me Festive. when it was really funny. Noah was with me when this happened because I talked to like my dad about like, oh, I want to see this concert, you know, and he's like, oh, yeah, maybe we'll get it for Christmas. So my dad texts me and he's like, it was Fallout Boy you wanted tickets for, right? I'm just on the <laughs> website now. <laughs> And I'm so no one's cracking up laughing. So it just became a joke of just like, oh, Dad, I want to go see Fallout Boy. And I'm basically like, look, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Fallout Boy. Not my favorite band. They're okay, but uh, I'd much rather see The Chemical Brothers. Um, so anyway, basically, I go to see The Chemical Brothers next year because my dad has bought me. Tickets. I wish you know who The Chemical Brothers. I wish Brothers I could get Casper. Oh yeah, I I love The Chemical Brothers. I actually wish I could get Casper down here because there's a few songs where I actually get him to sing along. Uh, one of them is block rocking beats mm. where he'll go like, block rocking beats. Like he gets really into it. Uh, the other one's no diggity. You know the song black street, no diggity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go. I like the way you work it. And Casper's like, no diggity. Uh, and then the third one, which is the best is the song black Betty by Ram jam from the seventies. Mm. Whoa, black Betty. I don't know why I just, I had a song playing once and I'm like, Casper, when I say black Betty, you go bam, a lamb. And he just did that. And then we heard it was last year before this is on topic Christmas before a school Christmas concert last year. Um, he, he found, or maybe this was when he was in his daycare or before that, but either way, he had like a concert or something. There was a microphone and Casper went up and he grabbed the microphone and went during a rehearsal or something like that. Hello, I'm Casper. Bam, lamb, bam, lamb. And he started doing black Betty, bam, a lamb into the microphone. Uh, but I'll get him to do block rocket beats for you before Christmas. I, uh, I'm a, Hey boy. Hey girl. Superstar DJ. Here we go. I love, uh, my, my favorites actually go. Yeah. I mean, they've got amazing. They had, um, their underrated song, which I looked at their set list and I think they perform it. It's called setting sun. And, um, they used to do, yeah, they, they did, um, like back in sort of the late nineties, early two thousands when I was like, really, you know, I'm still in really into formula one. It's my sport, but like they would do like the closing credits back in the day when TV shows and broadcasts used to play and it was always setting sun. Um, and what was the one they did? Um, galaxy bounce for Tomb Raider. You'd know if you heard it, it they use it in, cause I know how much you love Lara Croft Tomb Raider, <laughs> the scene where she escapes from the, after she's gotten the dial and she's on the, the dog sledding out of the thing. It's that scene with that song. I mean, I listened to the Lara Croft Tomb Raider soundtrack too much when I was a kid. But no, I, lo- I fucking love the Chemical Brothers. So uh, they're coming to Sydney. They apparently do a big, massive like production with giant projection screens and everything. So uh, kind of ticking off these uh, late 90s, early 2000s dance bands that I liked. I saw Crystal Method. I saw Fatboy Slim. Now it's, now it's um, the Chemical Brothers. If only the Prodigy, if only What's-His-Face was still alive, then I could see the uh, Prodigy. But rest in peace to What's-His-Face. Crystal Method? I saw the Crystal Method. I just said that. Oh, I missed that. You weren't listening. I met him. 
<laughs> you met him. Well, there's one that isn't them. Uh, now it's just to him. Well, it's there is two of them, but the one the original guy like had long retired, so it's kind of just like the one guy now. Um, so when he was performing in Sydney, and like I went up to him, and because like he like literally got to the stage and was like, oh, I'm gonna hang around, and have a drink, come up to me, and everybody's like, you know, going around, and so I went up to him, and I'm just like, oh, uh, can I get a photo, an autograph, and I'm just like, oh, I just want to let you know, I I'm I'm here because um your theme, uh, you know, Keep Hope Alive was the third watch theme. He's like, oh, I remember when they did that. I also did the theme <laughs> for Bones, and I'm like, yeah, I know you did, and it's like cool, and it's like I'm probably the only person in the history of his entire life has gone, I'm a third watch fan, and your song was the theme for third watch, so. Yeah. I, I noticed the only one you leave off that list is Moby, um, ah, probably because Natalie of Portman's his involvement ex. with Natalie Portman. I, I, like, yeah. <laughs> I like Moby. I'd see Moby. I, 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 yeah, I do actually quite like Moby. Um, so Moby's got some good stuff. He's got some really boring stuff, but he's got some good stuff. Moby, that's kind of like, I, I like my dance music a bit more dancey. Moby's a bit more chill. Moby's a bit more like, yeah, put it in the background when you're having a Sunday afternoon drink. Oh, well, that's like, come on, they come back sometimes. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, God. <laughs> does, can, does Canada have dance music? I don't know if I know any Canadian dance yeah, music I mean, artists. I mean, back in the 90s, we definitely had. In fact, there was uh, Much Music, which is like the Canadian mm. MTV or whatever. It's not MTV, but it was very different. But they had like uh, this series of albums, like Dance Mix. Uh, every single year, Dance Mix 93, Dance Mix 94, Dance Mix And actually, I just saw a Canadian movie. Speaking of Canadian movies, maybe one of the most entertaining Canadian movies I've ever seen, called a movie called I Like Movies. Mm. And uh, there's actually a scene in that where one of the characters is like, Look at the CD players. Like, I got Dance Mix 95. Two things, three things, and this is on top. We've got four minutes to go, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I love how I type Canadian dance music. It comes up with Life is a Highway, Tom Cochran, Summer <laughs> of 69, Brian Adams, The Power of Love. By, I'm in a DJ at disco. And I'm like, yeah, Power of Love. The Power <laughs> of Love. Like dancing. Actually, I'll, I'll give you one. There's a group called Prozac, which was a spinoff. There's a, there's a band called the Philosopher Kings, which are in no way dance-like. But two of the members decide to form like their own alter egos. You know how like Damon Alburn from Blur did Gorillas. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking years before that. These two guys from the band of Philosopher Kings formed this group called Prozac, where they basically had cartoon characters. So they did it like long before Gorillas, uh, and they they had some huge stuff that you'd probably like. Uh, Sucks to be you was one of their really good songs. Well, speaking of side projects, there's two quick things, and we'll, I'll get you to wrap it up because uh, I'm telling you what to do now. Apparently, I saw Robbie Williams the other <laughs> night. Amazing concert. Yeah. And at least the time of recording this, like it's been more than a week or so since we're releasing this. Um, and I like, I like, I'm the type of person when I go to a concert, I don't want to like hang around. Or I don't need to, like, it's sort of like, our oh, doors open at seven. So everyone gets there at seven, right? Cause people go with friends yeah. and drinkers. I'm a, I'm alone. I'm alone. I go by myself. So generally most places now will go doors open at seven, warm up act like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. Oh, and then all of a sudden they will come on stage at like 10. So I'm wearing a pendulum t-shirt. They're an Australian dance band. I looked it up. They said they were on stage at 9.50. I got there at like 9.40, like fuck waiting around. So Robbie Williams, basically the way they like set this out was like doors open at five, show starts at 6.45. And even I'm going like, Robbie Williams isn't going to start at 6.45, but there's nothing here about warm-up back. So I'm like, okay, got there, stuck there. Robbie Williams had come at 8.30, whatever. One of the warm-up acts was this band called Lufthouse. And now these the Australian guys, and I'm like, okay, what's this? Started playing like really good dance music. I'm like, wow, this is really good. I like these guys. Turns out Robbie Williams is technically in this band. He's doing a side dance project band called Lufthouse, which apparently is a thing. And one of the songs they were playing is with Sophie Ellis Bexter, if you remember her. Um, so like, I need to look this up. Didn't realize Robbie Williams was doing a dance project. Also, there is a Robbie Williams biopic coming out where Robbie Williams plays himself. 
So I am so on board for this. They apparently filmed it in Australia and he was like joking about it during the concert. Also bagged out the name Colin because he was like, Ugh. he was in the crowd and he was like, he talks to people and he like talks to this woman and then like her husband, she was, he was like flirting with this woman, realized she had a husband. Like, Oh, I wasn't doing anything. What are you talking about? Like, what's your, what's your name? Oh no, they had kids. It's like, what are your kids names? And said like Jenny, whatever. And she, he thought she said Colin, but I think he ended up saying like Emma or something like that. So he goes, Colin, like, how old are you? Why are you naming your son after some old name from the 70s? <laughs> and it's like, oh, Colin. Also, and third point, for a wrap-up, uh, Monarch Legacy of the Monsters or whatever it's called has started. I haven't Ooh. watched it yet, but um, I've got the episodes ready to watch. I've, I've been watching um, the Scott Pilgrim animated series that just came out yesterday. I spent my anniversary... We, we went to go see the Hunger Games movie, but I spent the first the first half of my anniversary watching the Scott Pilgrim animated series, which I told people, I posed this to Jamie. Is this one how you want to spend our anniversary? And they're like, yeah, I have a feeling Jamie won't go for that. Guess what? Jamie went for it. But as long that's as that's the right woman right there, that's a good woman. But at the end of the day, that's the one day you probably have sex all year. So like, it's at least at the end of the day, she's probably going, I don't care. Today's like my happiest day of my year. We can do whatever you want. I know it's coming at seven Oh two. I get something and you get something. It's, it's win-win. Which also um, um, the Keanu Reeves formula one thing. I, I've, I saw that. Got it ready to watch. And I've seen still shots of it. I'm sorry. You don't have no idea who I'm talking about when I say this name, but it just looks weird. Keanu Reeves interviewing Bernie Eccleston. I'm like, that is a combination. I never thought I'd course. see in my life. <laughs> he was like the godfather, like the, like basically ran formula one for about 30 years. And it's a, such a weird pairing. It'd be like if Gary Bateman um, was being interviewed by Leighton Mester or something like that. You'd be like, what? <laughs> or there's a girl who looks exactly like her in Black Christmas. I'm Leighton Mester. I'm here with NHL Commissioner <laughs> Gary Bateman. <laughs> there's, a, there's a special you didn't know you needed on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Leighton Mester does the NHL. Oh, that sounds a bit wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, Let's wrap it up now. We're yes. at an hour. Uh, good job, Ben. Good eight minutes. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, stay tuned for the next next week for Violet Night, and then all our other regular episodes, Amazing Race twenty four, and all that junk. Um, my name is Colin, and I'm lucky if I get three minutes. <laughs> Jamie said to you on your anniversary. <laughs> uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm funny. My name is Ben, and you're a real gold plated whore. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time like exclusive stuff yes, yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon <laughs> 
That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs) 